this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 13, our discussion on the draft guidance from NICE in the UK about reimbursing fiber scan screening in primary care and community settings. This conversation starts by focusing on data. Ian Rowe praises Chris Estes' statement about the scope and kind of data needed for this analysis and comments that EchoSense, which manufactures FiberScan, have presented only one-year data to NICE. The conversation develops with Louise Campbell asking whether Hep C data might occur in this case, and with both Ian and Jorn Schottenberg describing why Hep C data might not actually be germane to the conversation. For the most part, the rest of this conversation has Louise Campbell discussing other potential data sources and flaws in existing methodology based on uniform costing. In fact, costing consistent with the radiology model, which is different than the costing you see in community. And Ian wrote commenting at one point that community screening is desirable and that NICE has identified the data path to make the case, but it has not been made yet. Louise's last point was to suggest that the cost treatment around training that EchoSense and its supporters are given in the NICE analysis is more onerous than what large companies like GE and Philips are asked to do in ultrasound. Keep that thought about large and small companies and their profits. It will come back in a later conversation. While on one level, this discussion is entirely about the UK, the issues are universal, even if the solutions are somewhat country-specific. Every health payer in the world, public and private, will face some version of what we discuss here over the next few years. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Chris Estes. So it's kind of looking at inputs and outputs as well. Ian Rowe. Chris, I think that's really well put, and it, and it highlights that missing piece of data. So as part of the submission tonight, SecoSense, the manufacturer, they provide the economic and economic model, and then it's scrutinised and further developed. And the major criticism of their model is that it's at a one-year horizon. So so really, it, it's, it's unable, because we don't know what the impact downstream of the test is, to provide any of that information that would be so valuable in terms of determining lifetime cost-effectiveness. And it it remains a gap in our communal knowledge about the impact of test and treat strategies for liver disease in general, not just for NAFLD. Louise Campbell. Ian, would you bring in the data, therefore, that we've had a success from treatment of hepatitis C? Because, of course, we use FibroScan to assess to get patients to treatment for hepatitis C. We then, most units then monitored them out, and we've seen a huge regression in fibrosis stages in the ones that we've cured. Is that the sort of data we can use to model because we've got a lot of data from the UK on that. Probably not in this context because the fibre scan wasn't the index diagnostic modality that was the hepatitis C PCR and the fibre scan was simply there for staging and, and because of the way the reimbursement was developed at the time that the DAAs were licensed the fibre scan had a more prominent role because we set a low threshold to diagnose cirrhosis to maximise treatment. It's a useful exemplar for how a service might work but it requires a entry test and we might come on to talk about what that entry test might be and I know that Jorn's been itching to come in. Jorn Schattenberg. Thanks for that picture uh, Ian and uh, and again very interesting discussion and uh, also for putting it into a perspective. Having to look at this being a non-UK practitioner I think in my system it'd be the same where it would be crucial that reimbursement codes are available for practitioners to be able to use this type of test and the currently available reimbursement codes which would reimburse for ultrasound um, are not the ones that have 
practitioner would require for implementing such a device in his primary care setting. Having said that, I think the total healthcare setup is a little different with a less structured referral pathway. You can't compare it head to head. From my perspective, looking at it as a hepatologist perspective, I think it's also very different from the hep C field, Louise, because as Ian mentioned, the entry criteria, identifying a disease that's then treatable with a success rate of 95% will give you very different outcomes. So from my perspective, it's very interesting this discussion is brought forward because it addresses fibrosing liver disease. And we know that the fibrosis degree is detrimental uh, and has a prognostic value. Now we're trying to implement a diagnostic test and there's good evidence or there's good rational to support that if you inform a patient that manifests in primary care, you identify a patient in primary care with advanced disease stages, you have more opportunity to prevent, uh, potentially treat in the future. So from that perspective, I strongly support this type of testing to be implemented early and be able to provide some preventive measures. Now, there's at least one research consortium funded by the European Union, the Liverscreen Consortium, and Chris mentioned some of the earlier data that is actually trying to provide or generate some of that data, uh, looking at general populations and referring patients for subsequent testing at a liver scan result of 8 kPa. Moving forward, we'll see more data emerge from Europe, and I think that's required for it to be adapted. On the other hand, I do see the problem that you have a new test It'll be very difficult to talk about 10-year outcome data. And the question is, how can we use that to the to the benefit of our patients today? Uh, so I guess that's my lines of thinking here and, and, and happy to discuss further. So, Jorn, I, I want to chase your question a little bit further, right? Which is, is there a way to think about this a little more expansively where more is known or where we can do a better job of pinpointing what needs to be known in a way that it can be known quickly? Last week, we talked about nail and IT uh, two weeks ago. And one of the things that uh, Stephen and Mazen were talking about in fact, I'm talking about your retrospective analysis being able to produce some results within a year. The idea being that we probably know more than because how the liver functions and the time continue on these disease. If we have to set out prospectively to prove things, that takes a long time, even if you're really careful about how you do it. But if you can make better use of data, now I'm not sure NICE operates this way, but are there data that we can make better use of, Jorn, Chris, Ian, Louise, whomever, that would start to provide faster answers or a better understanding or even a better pathway for how to study this issue further? I'm just going to jump in. We need to consider the whole. Where this sits at the moment is very singular and siloed. They did make comment in relation to where NICE have also advocated for Fibroscan and non-invasive diagnostics and that was in Hepatitis B, Hepatitis C, NAFLD, alcohol and cirrhosis pathways. Now, they are very niche pathways and the irony is that in the last 12 months, Aparzal, Easel and the AGA have approved pathways to get earlier non-invasive diagnostics in a stratified way with FIB4 followed by ELF or another diagnostic or Fibroscan, which the NAFLD guidelines here were written in 2015, which is given the speed of technology, things have altered rapidly, but if we were to go with what we've got now, we cannot rewrite those guidelines in a way that the AGA, Parcel and Easel have done because we just would not have access to enough equipment throughout, and that was one of the reasons it wasn't put in originally. So I do think there has to be less of a silo consultation on the only non-invasive diagnostic that's a point-of-care diagnostic for liver disease. So I think it is unique in that sort of setting for that. The other parts of the data, the data 
data they used to work out some of the costs when they did their review were key articles like Shriver Faster et al, where primary care, he used his primary care, incurable cancer rates decreased. So although they used it to work out costs like £35 or £40, and all of these articles guessed, not one of the articles claimed to know the correct price of fibre scans. We didn't work on great data. One of the other articles they used was the Chanajewski et al, which showed that you get a quality of 2,138 for patients with napples, but 6,537 so taken up on Chris's points for alcohol. So we have data. They use those same articles to come up with cost. So therefore, we need to be able to use the information that, for me, that was gained in those articles for the cost saving and the qualities that this brings back, because it is data. So if it's acceptable for one side, it has to be acceptable for the other, because I think we also have to reflect that the default position, if you do not have fibre scan, is a liver biopsy. And if that cost, therefore, should be worked into the pathway, that if you have no other option and liver biopsy is your fallback, then surely that, for me, would need to be in the costing scenario, because that is the only other option for these patients. So I I think there's a couple of questions from the sort of nice perspective that we should ask ourselves. First is, do we think it's desirable that elastography or fibrous scan is delivered in the primary care setting? And I think the answer to that is yes. Second question is, how do we get there? And I think NICE have told us for the UK what we need to do, and that is a comparative or essentially a test-retest study where a patient comes to primary care and comes to a hospital setting. Now, it may be, depending on Ekasen's appetite, that they would be willing to set up a study like that in the UK. I think it'd be relatively straightforward to do. And I think that people would want to do it. The question would be whether you would need a gold standard assessment of fibrosis as part of that cell liver biopsy. One would hope not nowadays. And I think that that's really all NICE are asking for, to show that performance is the same and that there's some assurance that a referral pathway or pathway of care is being followed for patients. Now, in Leeds, we're almost there really because our risk stratification for patients with an elevated ALT coming to our clinics now includes a fibre scan that's requested from primary care. Now, it's delivered by a secondary care clinician, but it's essentially a primary care-only pathway. The issue is, as Louise will, will well know, that as soon as we open the pathway, the floodgate opened and our waiting times have extended really very quickly for fibre scan and we're working to bring those back down again. And some of that is increase in testing after, after COVID. Some of it is really recognition that our pathway now works very well and that primary care have engaged with it but but with it being new what we've seen is the letters from the primary care clinicians who've got a result that says median liver stiffness is 7.2 kilopascals I can't interpret this I don't know what to do tell me so the how is very straightforward in terms of what we need to do but what happens downstream in terms of coordinating pathways that are delivered exclusively in primary care without the involvement of secondary care will need some more work as as time goes on I think you're right there but the premise for NICE was that and in the document it states that they were concerned that basically Echosense weren't providing an ongoing supervision and the quality in the scan although they accept that all of the experts and I was one of those experts consulted said that if you've got well-trained staff doing fibre scan it doesn't matter whether it's done in the community or the secondary care it's about the quality of the scanner what they seem to be suggesting which I don't think is equitive throughout diagnostics is that that is provided by the company who sell the machine. I don't think that Philip and General Electric provide the same or are asked to provide the same for ultrasound provided by GPs in the community or community nurses and to provide that ongoing supervision. That surely is down to the governance of the purchaser to write the policies, the procedures and to ensure that my staff
staff or those staff are highly trained, qualified and get assessed. So we provide, for example, bringing Towers and Health into this now, we provide everything NICE has asked for. Highly skilled, highly qualified users where the quality of the test is the same in community or secondary care, wherever we provide it. We weren't asked to give a costing and I don't think any other private provider has been. So it's purely considered in the case of how would a secondary care service provide this. It doesn't take into account the breadth of knowledge that is needed or how to apply it. Yes, they're right in some extent, and I'm all for the quality. That's why we're CQC regulated. You cannot remove that quality because if you just let it out there, I know a lot of people see one, do one, show one. (laughs) And you cannot do that. So I, I totally agree with NICE in some respects, but I don't think that is the accountability of a company to provide that ongoing where it's not asked for another diagnostic equivalent. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next week with a discussion on complex balloon hepatocytes, a topic of tremendous interest since it became a center of discussion at NASHTAG earlier this year. In addition to Stephen and Louise, we'll be joined by Quentin Anstey, Jorn Schottenberg, and Maz Noradine to discuss the general issue. And after the close of that discussion, Dean Tai, Chief Scientific Officer of Histoindex, will join us for a discussion of of the role that machine learning or AI-based algorithms can play in improving our analysis of balloon hepatocytes. That discussion is sponsored by Histoindex. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast, hopefully next week. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.